Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With a career spanning over 35 years in multiple countries and having worked in about every environment you can imagine, I've learned a lot about what it means to be in healthy relationships. Today, I'm sharing the top five things I see over and over in successful, happy relationships. And this doesn't just apply to your romantic relationships. These five signs work in all relationships, work, friendships, other family members, you name it. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back. Hello. So good to be here with you today. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I finally got some office furniture. I'll get out of the way a little. <laughs> I've been uh, redoing the office. We, we're, we're coming back. We're coming back with some, with some cute office-ness. So I'm really happy to be here with you today and talking about these five signs. I was on a, a podcast recently called The Fray, F-R-A-E, which is um, big down there in Australia. For my Australian listeners, you'll be hearing me on The Fray. I don't know when it's coming out, but I talk, I'll talk about it in my uh, weekly love letter. I'll let you know when that's coming out or I'll try to remember here, but I record earlier than when these get just, you know, published. So uh, that doesn't always go together. But if you're not listening, she's amazing. Loved her. <clears throat> Love the podcast. Anyway, uh, and we were talking about the five signs of a healthy relationship and that a little bit. And I thought, wow, I really should do a podcast, an episode on this because it's so important and we all want to know. So if you uh, haven't subscribed yet to see me on YouTube doing this, then please do. Please, you know, subscribe and like and all the good things. And if you just like to listen to me, please leave a review uh on apple or you know rate me on spotify it really really helps people learn about me and i'm looking for world domination that's what i'm going for right now i want everyone in the world to have happy relationships and to have really great research based information you know that you know it's my mission so please please help and that is the way you can help me i'm helping you i give lots of free content all the time which fills me with great feelings and uh, you can kind of, you can give back if you want, and that's one of the easiest ways to do it. You know, another thing, of course, you can buy my book, 
Be Happily Married, even if your partner won't do a thing. It's also on Audible, if you like the sound of my voice, my melodic voice. I, I do the Audible. Taking a sip of water because <clears throat> I'm noticing I sound a little froggy. Okay, so let's get to it. No, my five top signs of a healthy relationship. These are the things I see over and over. Number one, you're probably going to guess this one, I would hope, is that you act as a team. You thought I was going to say mindfulness, didn't you? No, I'm not even putting that in my top five today <laughs> because I talk about it so much. I think that's a given all over, but I am going to talk about acting as a team. And my philosophy when it comes to healthy relationships revolves around acting like a team instead of keeping score and competing with one another, right? My rule, everybody wins. Everybody, everybody wins, including you, but not instead of you. That's not how it works. We all, we all win. So, you know, I did a, my, if you haven't watched my TEDx yet, by the way, I hope you do. You can find that on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes and uh, here on you know, and in the relationship tips and tools where I post the blog, uh, it's called The Real Reason Relationships Fail. If you just put Abby Metcalf TED, TEDx into, you know, YouTube, it'll pop up. I hope you listen to it and give it a like. Um, I'm really proud of it. I did it a few years ago now. And um, it's, I talk, that's what the TEDx is about. That's what the talk is about. This piece, that was an idea worth sharing, you know, because it's a new idea that, the real reason relationships fail is because we compete, not because not communication fails. Communication fails because we're competing. That's the issue. There, and there are so many things that are in our lives right now trying to grab our time and attention. You know, if you've got kids, if you work, uh, everybody works in some way. You got school, work, whatever. You're trying to eat healthy. You're supposed to call your mama. Uh, you got to get to the dentist for that tooth that's been bothering you. Uh, whatever, right? There's so many things every day. The list just goes on and on. And it leaves, it leaves people really feeling overwhelmed and anxious on a daily basis. So because of that, that this depleted feeling, it's very easy to look at our partners or other people to, to save the day. And I'd say, and I'm going to say, I'm going to come to all relationships, but I want to say this about partners, because this is where I see it kind of the most. Um, not even the most. That's not true. This is where I talk about it the most. And uh, most of you are listening because you are in a partnership. But like I said, I'm going to talk about all relationships today. But when you look to your partner to save the day, to pull their weight, to you know do their fair share, you start watching everything they do and comparing it to what you do. And of course, you do more. So in effect, what you're doing is keeping score, right? You're having a balance sheet. And this leads to, to, to the resentment, to the anxiety, to the frustration, to the disappointment. That's the problem. And that's why you're not communicating because you've got this foundation of your house that's rocky, that's not firm because you're always looking to this other person. And it's really a distrust that's sort of uh, seeping on the bottom. So, and you know, we've all, we've all said the thing, uh, you went out with your friends on Friday, so I get to go out with mine on Saturday and I took the kids to soccer practice on Tuesday. So you have to take them to piano lessons on Friday. You know, the one I talk about all the time, it's your turn to put away the dishes or it's your turn to cook or it's your turn to clean up. I hate that one. Oh, I don't hate. I try not to hate, but I really dislike that one. It it's not your turn. <laughs> you take turn in games. Your, your relationships are not games. When you keep score like that in your relationship, it puts you and your partner or your sister or your boss or whoever on opposite teams. It think, right? I, I'm not, it, this isn't rocket science. It, it Think about it. We just, it's so ubiquitous. It's so common that we don't realize what we're doing. We are setting one of you up, one of us up to win and one of us to lose. And I don't want to lose right? I want to win. So how can I have a relationship built on trust, built on mutual respect, but built on my wanting your wins when I really don't want your wins because I think your win equals my loss. You can't have a connected, loving, communicative relationship when there's this underlying tension of someone losing, right? And that's what kind of worms itself into the foundation of the relationship. And that's what creates the cracks. So, or the whole thing crumbling down, right? 
And again, I want to be clear, this isn't just romance. This is your other relationships as, as well. You can't have a healthy relationship with your sister if you're always comparing all the things you do for your parents as opposed to her. I know you're doing it because you're like, she doesn't even work or she works, but she doesn't have kids. And I do all this stuff for my parents and they need to do it. You know, you really get into a very nasty position. Um, I'm, you know, I remember when my mom was alive, um, she, I did all this stuff for my mom, you know, and I have older siblings. I'm actually the youngest of my siblings and my siblings really didn't do anything for my mom as far as I did all the finance, I did all her finances. I took care of all of her appointments. I coordinated all the help because she was living in Florida while I was here in California. She refused to move near me because <laughs> it's hard to believe I would come from someone who's stubborn and hardheaded, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I remember sometimes people be like, oh, your siblings should do more and why aren't they helping and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it just, it just wasn't working out that way. I don't know what to say. It, I had the best relationship with my mother. I was able, you know, I've talked about it before. My mom was a narcissist and it, very difficult in a lot of ways to have a loving relationship with her. And my siblings, you know, hadn't worked out a lot of those issues as well as I had. And my mom felt best with me. She just did. She she trusted me the most. And um, in those ways, not, you know, she trusted her other children too, but she she really trusted me to kind of be in partnership with her making all these decisions and doing all this. And I just chose not to be resentful with myself. I just, I couldn't keep going, well, why aren't they doing anything? And oh my gosh, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, you can't do it. I love my siblings dearly. I wanted to have a good relationship with them no matter what. And so I made a choice and I, I just did not, did not keep score when I really needed, I didn't act like a martyr either. When I really needed something, I asked. Um, I set up a lot of things where we had help. So it wasn't my siblings I looked to. It was I paid for help. I paid for, you know, a case manager down in Florida so I could have eyes on her all the time. You know, I paid for support to come in the house. We paid for the help is what we did. Instead of me looking to them like, well, you know, there's four of us. Why can't somebody do something? You know, you can't, you can't go there. Um, not and be happy. <laughs> I mean, I could go there, but I wasn't going to be happy. So uh, that, you know, that was really at the core of that. And, you know, it's the same thing, let's say at work, if, if you have a relationship with a coworker and you're anxious all the time when they have a win, because you think it means you'll end up with less, you know, oh, they're going to get promoted and they're going to leave or the boss is going to like them more or whatever. When you start getting into that, you get into real trouble. And you, you've got to pull back. You just got to focus on what you're doing. What are you doing? If you're doing an amazing job, you'll move ahead. You just will. Someone will see it. And if they don't see it at that job, get a new job. You know, it's not, you don't have to worry about all these other people. And I know it's hard. Like, let's say you're working on a project with a coworker and they're not pulling their weight and they're not doing what they do. And then at the end, right, they get all, I remember they get all the credit or something, or they get a lot of the credit. I can remember in school working on projects with people and, you know, I'm me, so I'd be doing all this work. And I remember at the time getting resentful that I was doing more than others and blah, blah, blah. It just, it, it, it's, it's a miserable situation. <laughs> it isn't really helpful. And don't get me started on friends who are always in competition with one another. I don't understand this at all. I don't know what to say. To me, that's not friendship at all when you're in competition with your friends or they're keeping score. I did this for you. You have to do this for me. Uh-uh. I, I do not personally have friendships that way. I have very few close friends and because I don't need a ton of friends. And the ones I have are incredibly supportive and loving all the time. They don't say, I told you so, you know, if I screw up or maybe they gave me advice to go one way instead of another, and then I did it the other way and it screwed up. They just, they're just supportive. They're just there for me. They love me and I love them. And that's how we do it. So uh, anywhere that is, you get into some trouble and I, you know, you want to get, so you want to get out of that, that kind of keeping score mindset, right? And instead think of your, your partner, your friend, your sibling as being on the same team as you. It's so you are one shared resource, one shared resource. And especially, so again, our romantic relationships are the one we usually spend the most time in. So that's, you know, I end up talking about those more sometimes, but 
if you think of a romantic relationship and when you're pulling energy from your partner, you're really pulling energy from yourself. And I know you think, you know, oh, we have this thing to do and I can't do it. So you have to do it. But if they're already drained and you're drained, you got one drained person makes both of you suffer because you're sharing the same battery. So it's a drain on the same battery. So I want you to get out of using that, you know, the you language. There are no you problems. Only There's only, there's only we problems. There are no you wins. There's only us wins, right? There's us wins. When you're a team, you stop keeping score and you start feeling connected and supported. I'm telling you, it it's the it it'll change it all. It's amazing. And again, you can apply this everywhere. You apply it even if you've been in competition with one of your siblings your whole life. You can step back and really think about how to lean into that relationship differently and how to stop playing the game. It only takes one of you to stop. They can keep competing all they want, but if you're not competing, think about two teams on a field. If one wasn't competing and they were just having fun and they didn't care who win or scored the baskets, you know, eventually the other team would get very frustrated if they were super competitive. They would hate it. They would just hate it. And they'd either give up and walk away or they would let it go and they'd start playing too. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. It's not about changing them. It's about changing you and you feeling better. And you will feel better and more connected and feel healthier when you are not so worried about what everyone else is doing compared to what you're doing. It just, for sure, for sure. I'm not telling anything you don't know. All right. That's number one. I need a sip of water now. Hold on. Okay. Number two, second sign of a healthy relationship, you're honest with your feelings. People hate this one. So... I used to hate this one. (laughs) When you don't say what you're really feeling about something, you end up feeling resentful, uh, disappointed, hurt, abandoned. Even though you're the one not saying things, you end up feeling abandoned, right? Uh, Even though it's you, you end up kind of blaming them. Every time you, you know, stuff a feeling, don't voice a thought. You got to get what's happening really. What you're doing when you do that is you're telling the other person that you don't trust them. And maybe you don't, but I don't need you to trust them. I need you to trust you. I'll say that again. I don't need you to trust them. They might not do a good job with your feelings. They might not. It's about you. It is about you. It is about you walking away feeling clear. You had good boundaries. You said what you had to say. You did your thing. You know me with the boundaries. I'm still working on my boundary course. Should be out really soon. It's got to change. It's got to change. You, you, when you, you've got to trust people enough to be vulnerable and honest. So that's sharing your feelings. This, it means that your relationship is, your relationship is going to suffer if you don't do it. Because without trust, everything starts to deteriorate. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I've done so many podcasts on episodes on trust, not podcasts. I always say that. My assistant laughs at me. Episodes. I only have the one podcast. Uh, I've done so many episodes on trust, right? By the way, we're going to be setting up a new podcast called Boundaries Made Easy, where I'm going to take all the boundary episodes, all the things that are related to boundaries, and I'm going to put them all together in another. So it's if you've already been listening all this time, you know, you you know, or you could put boundaries in the search engine, uh, you know, of my website, but you could also just, if you don't want to do all that, I'm going to set it up so you can just go and everything from how to make boundaries, how to stop being codependent, how to stop people pleasing, right? All that stuff is going to be there. So I'll be sharing everything here first, like I always do, but I'm going to be taking episodes and throwing it over there so people could have all the boundaries in one place. If that's something you really have to work on or if that's something you want your partner to work on or something else, and you know, you could just send them to like a place where that's all that's there. So I don't, you know, we'll probably start with about 10 episodes and add over the years as we keep adding episodes, but I'm just letting you know that that's going to be there if you want to work on your boundaries. But having said that, so <laughs> it does come down though, right? Sharing feelings is about having good boundaries. It is. And other, I don't want you to forget. So your your partner, your boss, your friend, whoever, they know, and that's either consciously or unconsciously, when you're not sharing your true feelings. They can feel your, your lie or your omission. And this deteriorates trust on their end, right? 
And think about why. You know, you're often hiding information or your true feelings. It's to protect yourself. You don't want to upset the other person or have to deal with their feelings. So you stay quiet. You, it's always about protecting yourself first and foremost, right? That's what happens. But the problem is that means that you don't trust yourself to be able to deal with whatever comes at you or whatever people are saying. And you've got to start being able to do that. It's really important. It's really, really important. Um, I'm trying to give a good example. Um, oh, oh, okay. So I had a client recently who wasn't well, so recently, a few months ago. Okay. I had a client who wanted to hang out with his buddies on a Friday night, right? And this was happening. But he, quote unquote, knew that his wife wouldn't like it. So he, because, you know, they had kids at home, whatever. She wanted him right home, whatever he thought. So he told her he had to work late, but then went out with his friends. And he would do this like once a month or so. He would say he has to work late and he would be out with his friends. And his thinking was, hey, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not like cheating. I'm not trying to pick up other women. I'm just with my buddies. I just want to see my friends. But she'll be upset and give me grief and I don't want to deal with it. And he had a lot of problems in his marriage, which is why he was seeing me. And I said, this is one of them. You're, you're just, first of all, you're just lying. So the honesty is gone, but you have to remember that people pick up on the lie. Just like you pick up when someone's lying to you, you can kind of feel something's wrong when they're omitting whatever you're, you are hurting someone. You're hurting yourself because you're lying and you're not giving yourself your true feelings. You're not having a boundary. You're not standing up for yourself. You're not talking about what you need and you're hurting your wife because she's picking up on this, right? You're undermining this relationship. This is one of the reasons. This is the, you're creating cracks in the foundation by avoiding these kinds of conversations where you just say what you really feel. And, and you've had this conversation before you ask the, the other person looks upset and you say, Hey, are you okay? You seem upset. And they go, no, everything's fine. <laughs> right? You don't like it. You don't, you know, you end up uh, frustrated, you're angry, you get afraid. Maybe you're one of those people gets anxious about it. Like, oh my God, that means they're whatever, you know, you, you're, you're assigning so much meaning to it. That's not even there because you know, something's wrong and they're, and they're lying to you again. They're just lying. I know it doesn't feel like a lie exactly. Cause you're not saying something out loud. That's a lie, but it is a lie when you omit in that way. And it is a lie. Cause you're not feeling fine. There is something else going on. And here's what happens later. This is really important. It's a consequence of this kind of lie. And I see that I have a wonderful client I work with and her husband is totally into her. (laughs) He's totally into her. He loves her. And he calls her beautiful or sexy. And, you know, he just thinks she's amazing. And she doesn't believe him. Like she in her head is like, I'm not, I don't know why he says this. This is what happens when you don't share our true feelings. And because we then believe other people are lying. So he doesn't always share his feelings with her because he's they're, they get kind of codependent with each other. And so he doesn't always share his true feelings with her because he doesn't want to upset her. He doesn't want, and sometimes he doesn't know his true feelings granted. That happens to all of us, but um, we don't share it, right? We're trying to protect the other person. We, we want them to be okay. We don't want to say all the things and we, we hold it back. But what happens is stuff like this. Your brain, so with my client, she could feel that he was, quote unquote, lying sometimes or omitting his true feelings. She can feel the, they're very close. So she can feel the, uh, you know, it's like a spider in a web. You know, you can kind of feel something out there. A disturbance in the force, I think I usually call it, right? So she knows there's something off. So when he says things like this, she doesn't believe him. Her brain is telling her that, well, he lied about whatever last week. So he, you know, the person lied about how they're feeling about this thing. I asked them and they said they're okay. So they're probably lying other times too. This happens at work. Your boss says you're doing a great job, but you don't believe them. You think you can get fired any minute. (laughs) When, and this, some of this is sure low self-esteem and other things, but a lot of it, I have to tell you, is because we're picking up on other people, not telling us the truth. So, you know, about how they feel, we can tell there's something else going on and they're not sharing it. And it could be a coworker, again, your sister, your sibling, whoever, a friend. And then when they do tell us something that is the truth for them, we don't believe it. So, because trust breaks down everywhere. This is why it is so important and a sign of such a healthy relationship when you share what you're really feeling. And let me say this as a last note. I want to be clear. 
you are so entitled to your true feelings. I can't think of anything you're more entitled to. They don't have to be right, nothing. But you are not, I'm going to repeat this, you are not entitled to your reactions. Entitled to your true feelings, not your reactions, right? So if someone's talking to me and they piss me off, it is not, I'm not entitled to, to hit them. I'm not entitled to, to slap them across the face. That's a reaction. I have that reaction because I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling right that I'm not entitled to do that. So you are not entitled if someone says something you don't like to yell at them, to get defensive, to lose it, to uh, be stony in your silence. You that's these are reactions you're having. That is not your true feeling. Okay, that defensiveness, that lashing out, whatever it is, that's not your true feelings. What is that wonderful soliciting uh, line I always say? Anger is the bodyguard of fear. When we're lashing out like that, when we're just, when we cut people off and we get very stony with our silence and we withdraw, all of those are the same things. We are masking something else. That's your true feeling. And that's what I want you to share. I want you to dig down to what's under the feelings of withdrawal, lashing out, anger, resentment, frustration. I want you to dig down under that to the fear, the worry, the hurt the rejection, the abandonment. Because when you get vulnerable and share these feelings, you're going to find a whole new way of communicating truthfully with others, with yourself, with others. It's incredible. So so yes, you need your mindfulness so that you can stop yourself and really check in and know how you're feeling. Yes, yes, yes. It is that moment. And if you do know, we know ourselves, right? We know our first reactions. We know. You know if you're somebody who always lashes out when you hear something you don't like. You know if you're someone who always clams up when you hear something you don't like. I get it. I get it. So you should see that as your canary in a coal mine. You should see that as your indication that, oh, I've got another feeling going on. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling abandoned, right? That's what you want to get to. That's the one. And that's what I want you to share with other people. And I want to say also that, so we connect with feelings, not thoughts. I say this a lot in the podcast. We connect with feelings, not thoughts. That's why it's a sign of a healthy relationship. Because when we connect with those feelings, what we're really feeling about something, people connect to us. They lean in. When we're just yelling at them or defensive or you don't know what you're talking about or whatever, of course they don't lean in. It's very hard to lean in. I mean, I teach you to try to do that on this, on this podcast, but it's, that's the harder thing. When we really share our vulnerability and like, wow, I'm I'm feeling really hurt. You know, I, I'm feeling so scared. I feel like you're gonna, you know, I'm feeling scared. I, I in my head, I think you're gonna leave me when you say that. You know, we can get the reassurance we need. We could really, and hopefully the other person, you know, is gonna communicate well with us about that. But at the end of the day, even if they don't, it's about us sharing and trusting ourselves. That is a key to a healthy relationship. And I said it once, I'll say it a thousand times, You people's reactions are a reflection of them, not you. So when you share your true feelings, if someone snaps at you or if they lose it or if they whatever, or they tell you, uh, one of my favorites, you're not feeling that. That's what I used to get told when I was little and I'd share a feeling. That's not how you feel. Um, you're not angry, you know, or you don't have a right to be angry or, you know, well, I don't know why you feel angry. That's ridiculous or whatever. They could say all kinds of things. It doesn't matter. It is about you. Their reactions are theirs. You can't change their reaction. You can't control their reaction. I know I've tried, trust me. Uh, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> okay. So just know that and share what's true for you with the true feeling. Okay. And this actually is a good segue into number three which is that you focus on yourself, not the other person. That is a great sign of a healthy relationship. If you're unhappy in any relationship, you need to focus on changing yourself first, not the other person. You need to focus on changing you, not them. It is not your partner's job to make you happy. It is not your mom's job to make you happy. It is not even your best friend's job to make you happy. That's your job and your job alone. It is about you. Things outside of us don't make us happy. That's called codependency. That is fleeting. That is only for a moment. That is when we get anxious and codependent and people pleasing and crazy and all the things that aren't healthy. When we are just so worried about what other people are doing or trying to get them to act a certain way with us because we think that when they do that, we will feel better. And in a moment, you might, 
but it doesn't last. That's why you need more and more and more. You've got to get it from the inside, right? I'm, I'm, I want to drop the mic on that, but I'm going to say more. <sighs> one of the things I say a lot is the one in the most pain needs to change first. And if you're listening, that's you. I don't know what else to say. You might say, oh, no, no, they're in a lot of pain. It doesn't matter. They don't see it. They don't notice it. They don't care. Or they, they're ignoring it. Or they're in denial. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You're the one listening. You're the one who needs... You're the one who doesn't like something. You're the one who needs to change. You're in the most pain. You got to change first. I know it doesn't seem fair. I know. I know. I love you so much. I understand. <laughs> but it's the way it has to be if you want to move towards a healthy relationship with anyone else. You've got to start with taking personal responsibility and, and you want to get your side of the street really squeaky clean, right? Squeaky, squeaky. <laughs> if it's all about personal responsibility. And I want you to realize this in any relationship. I don't care if it's with your boss. I don't care, you know, if it's with someone who has power over you, like a boss or a coworker, or, you know, if they don't have power over you, if it's just your partner or your parent, whoever, you co-create every single relationship that you are in. You co-create it. This isn't happening to you. You're not a victim, remember, right? I'm very clear about that. So you've co-created the parts you don't like too. Oh, oh, I'm going to say that again because you don't like it, but I love you. So I'm going to say it again. You have co-created every part of your relationship, including the things you don't like. You've been reacting in a certain way and that's why it keeps happening and whatever, you know, you haven't been taking responsibility. You're not a victim. Your, your partner, your mom, your brother, they don't do anything to you. If you hear yourself using this language, I want you to stop. I want you to take a nice breath. Whew. And now from there, you got to stop. I, as soon as you hear that victim thing, or you're blaming other people, or you're, you know, feeling like they're doing it to you, whatever, you got to think of one thing, no matter how small, that you can do to move the situation forward. That's what taking responsibility is. That's what changing yourself. That's what you saying, my happiness is not dependent on other people. I'm not saying the other person doesn't have responsibility. I, I'm just, the problem is, but you can't control them. You, you can't control them. I know. I hate this part. I hate this part. You know I'm a control enthusiast. You know I love control. <laughs> I hate this part myself. You can't control other people or what they do. And yes, I did a whole podcast on it, what to do about your controlling behavior and what to do if other people control. I did a whole, I did a whole podcast. I keep saying it. Sorry. did whole episodes on it. You can't control other people or what they do. So you have to get focused on you. You will be happier. You will be more successful. Your life will change when you take the focus off of other people and other people making you happy. When you stop trying to change them, your whole world will, will turn around. When you realize, uh, what's my favorite Viktor Frankl uh, line, right? It, quote, you know, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're forced to change ourselves. And that's really it. How can you be different in this thing, in this space? You've, you've got to figure that out. It's really important. Okay. Another sip of water. Here I come. Sipping while all that sinks in for you. While that's there. Number four, you got to focus on love, not fear. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Yep. It's the only way to make any relationship better. And and I'm I'm talking about all relationships. So I'm not saying you have to love your coworker, but I'm talking about you have to focus on love-based emotions, not fear-based emotions. Because what you focus on grows. It's plain and simple. If you're focusing on people taking advantage of you, I promise you will see it everywhere. Right? And what have I talked about? This is important. Those two things I always talk about, you know, one is this uh your uh, RAS, your reticular activating system which is a filter between your conscious and your subconscious mind, right? When you consciously think of something, it it sends it as an order to your subconscious to look for that thing. So if you're consciously thinking men are jerks, the RES, this part of your brain, feeds that to the subconscious as the order or instruction, look for men being jerks. And surprise, surprise, you meet a lot of men who are assholes. It's not because all men are assholes or stupid or whatever. It's or even that most of them are, it's about what you notice, right? And remember the RAS also does something else. If you remember, that's skewing your perceptions. I know you think you see your boss being a jerk all the time and that's what your proof is of that. But remember uh, <laughs> we that the RAS filters out anything that doesn't match that conscious order. So if you think all men are jerks and then you have a man who's kind or considerate or says, I think, thank you, or I appreciate you, you're not going to see it. Your RAS is going to filter that out. I know. I'm telling you, right? That's what happens. So, and remember, you also have your confirmation bias, which is a psychological thing we do where we're always trying to prove ourselves right. So between the RAS and your confirmation bias, you think again that you are seeing things, but as they are, but you're not. You're seeing things as kind of you are. You're seeing things through your glasses, your lenses that you have put on. And you end up with this self-fulfilling prophecy where your beliefs just keep showing up. It, I know it's, I have to tell you, this is probably the hardest thing for me to ever hear because when I was, you know, recovering from drug addiction, this is when I learned this. And so this is a long time ago. And I was in such a victim place and such a blame place. And my brain was so friggin' hijacked when I, you know, was recovering from heroin that I just thought every I mean, the world was full of assholes. Men were the worst. Uh, they only they only were taking from me and, you know, all the things, you know, people suck. You can't trust that. I mean, I can't. <laughs> if you had met me then and met me now, you would not believe I was the same person. I will tell you that. And I remember just hearing this and thinking this can't be true. It's just not because I'm seeing evidence everywhere of what I believe. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. But again, when you really understand this, when you stop and listen to me, you realize that your beliefs are what are showing up all over, not what's real. So so here's a radical idea. What if you believe that the vast majority of people were good? What if you just started to believe that? What if you believe that miracles, ease, joy, fun were around every corner? Every corner. These same beliefs can be programmed into the RAS, and this is how you kind of miraculously, which I'm using that in quotes because it's not a miracle, start seeing these things show up all over the place. It's not a miracle. It's your brain. It's, 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 it's your physical, it's biology. It's biology and psychology, right? Because the, uh, the confirmation bias is psychology. The, the RAS is biology. It doesn't mean, by the way, that sucky things don't happen. It means it doesn't ruin your day and you won't generalize these things to your you know, whole life right? That's what it means. I know that, you know, bad things happen. Of course, yucky things happen to me in the course of my life. Of course they do. I get flat tires or my car's not working, whatever. The, the difference is in how I approach that, right? How I see that. I was paying the same high gas prices as everybody else. I was, you know, I mean, I get it. And so there's a way of shifting that focus and not being on the high gas prices or the inflation or the whatever, and shifting it on to the things that are working, that do work for you. And that's having faith in love, not fear, right? I meet I meet a ton of really nice people just about every day. <laughs> I will tell you that. Because when I'm out in the world, I have an intention of connecting and being friendly. Can I be of service? Can I tell people about the podcast? Can I, can I just help them in, on the move, on the go, right? I see those around me 
and and they see me right back. I, I end up with awesome people everywhere that I connect to, that I talk to, that whatever. That's what happens in my world. Do jerks show up? Of course they do. I'm not Teflon for jerks. I just don't spend a lot of time focused on them. I don't spend, I mean, I get caught up. Sure, someone says something mean to me or whatever. Obviously, of course, I'm human. I just, that's not predominantly how I spend my time. That's not what I'm looking for. So focusing on love, not fear, means having faith in love. And and again, why not? When you So fearful emotions, fear-based emotions are, you know, your hate, your fear, your anxiety, your despair, your worry, frustration, resentment, right? All those lovelies. And when you're in this mind space, of course, you can't see anything else. You, it's really hard. But if you're in the love-based emotions, kindness, compassion, openness, joy, ease, comfort, um, connection. Ooh, I'm just reeling them off. You, right? This is where you're meant to live. And when you're there, right, you really start to see those things. And remember, again, in even another part of your brain that I talk about a lot, where we believe your love-based emotions are housed with the neocortex where compassion and appreciation, all that good stuff lives. You know, when your amygdala is lit up, that fear-based part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, your neocortex, they can't come online. Um, that's how the brain looks if you looked at a functional MRI. But the opposite is true. When you're in compassion and appreciation, the fear-based stuff can't come online. So that is why it's so important to really again, another, bi- there's, a, there's your second piece of biology, to put yourself in that frame of having faith in love. You know, you were not, you were not put on this earth to be miserable. I, you were not, I promise, I swear. But you have to decide where you want to focus. Um, one of the things you can do, by the way, I have a loving kindness meditation on YouTube. It's free. And I'll link to it in the show notes and I'll link to it in the relationship tips and tools under this episode. And, but go onto YouTube, Abby Metcalf, loving kindness, boom, or do anybody's loving kindness meditations. That would be a great thing to start doing, to start getting yourself into that compassionate mindset more and more and more. Try doing the loving kindness meditations about 20 minutes. It's, It's really a visualization more than anything else. Try doing that for one week, just one week. I give you one week doing that and you will start to see different things show up in your life. When you put in your faith and fear, you know, I'm worried that, I'm anxious about, what if, it's, it, if it would help you, I would tell you to do it. It's not. It's not making you any more prepared than anyone else. It is not. Because again, when you're in that part of your brain and you're so anxious, you're, it, it actually does the opposite. You're not thinking well. That problem-solving, um, uh, rational part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, can't come online when you're so anxious. That's why, of course, when you're really anxious and upset about something and like three hours later when you're calmer, you go, oh, I can't believe I, you know, you're face palming, right? I can't believe I said that or why didn't I think this or why? That's because that part of your brain wasn't working. (laughs) It is not helping you. But I know people, you don't want to fall from the 10th floor. You think it's better to fall from the first floor. I say that all the time. So you you don't want to hope. You don't want to put your eggs in that basket, you know, and, and climb up there to where the joy is. And, and of course, of course, climb up there to where the joy is. What are you doing? You're living in fear of something that likely won't happen. How many things have you been worried about that never happened? But especially in your relationships, you're so afraid the person's going to leave you or that you're going to lose your job or, and by the way, being in an anxious, upset, angry, frustrated, defensive mode will probably make you lose your job much or that relationship much quicker than being loving, open, kind, vulnerable. I'll tell you that right now. So, you know, I'm just trying to bring you from the dark side into the light, you know, come on over. It's beautiful over here. Focus on love-based emotions. That's what will get you there, right? That's what'll get you there. And you know what I do? I've shared this before. I just, I do quick check-ins all the time about how I'm feeling at any given moment. There's my mindfulness again. And all I do is I, you know, we say in the program, keep it simple, stupid. Like I, I just like things easy because I don't want to have to think so much. So sometimes I'll be doing something or I'll just check in, like I'm at work or I'm in a meeting or I'm talking to someone, whatever. I'm just home alone doing whatever. And I just check in for a second. What am I feeling right this minute? What am I feeling right this minute? And I just try to see, am I feeling anxious? Am I, well, I'm feeling kind of actually content and I'm feeling satisfied and I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling um, peaceful 
or I'm feeling anxious or resentful or worried. Oh, I was just tripping about something. And so what I do is I just, in my head, I go, is that the fear side of my brain or the love side of my brain? That's how I divide it. And you can use a different word for love if you want. I don't really care, but I just find it easy that way. And if I'm on the fear side, if I'm noticing that I'm a little anxious, I'm a little worried, I'm feeling rushed, impatient. Impatient is one for me, boy. Woo! I get impatient. That's the fear-based part of my brain. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of everything. I don't have to, uh, you're right now, you're going, no, there's not, Abby. Yes, there is. (laughs) Get out of the scarcity mindset. And for sure, focusing on how I don't have enough money or something isn't going to help me get more money. That's for sure. It's just going to keep me in that anxious place, right? And again, that my problem-solving part of my brain or the part of my brain that sees opportunities or what else I could do isn't going to come online. So immediately when I do that, I'm like, oh, I'm in the fear side of my brain. Let me get over to the love side. And I just try to pick something that I can choose in that moment. You know, if I'm really anxious, I can't suddenly be like, oh, I'm just happy. Of course not. I always say you can't get from shitty to giddy. It doesn't work that that way. But if you acknowledge it and then ask yourself, you know, what could I feel from the love, love side? What could I just feel? Maybe I need to stop judging myself or maybe I need to be remember to be patient or kind as I notice I'm frustrated, you know, with one of my teenagers or something, whatever, you know, I'm going to choose the better feeling love-based emotion. And to do that, you know, you can have the better, choose the better feeling thought. I did a whole episode on how to exactly to do that. I will link to it in the show notes. Um, abbymedcalf.com, just come over to the podcast page. Boom. At this one, you'll see all the little links. Uh, and also in the relationship tips and tools, it'll be there, but you, you've got to, you got to shift a little bit. You have to come over a little bit into something that is more uh, a love-based place to be. And if you want to get really good at this, I'm just trying to think. Yes. Okay. So if you want to get really good at this, I do have, (laughs) I'm just throwing this in here. I have a, um, I call it a vibrational cheat sheet because, you know, I talk about this also as vibration, how we're feeling, and that I use all the time to check in with myself about kind of which part of the brain I'm in and, you know, coming how it could come from love, not fear. I will link to that. You can get that for free. I will link to it in the show notes, abbymetcalf.com. I will link to it there if you want to come download it. Um, It does put you on my, yes, when you download things, you get on my list my email list, which is a weekly love letter. And that's what it is. It's love. It's meant to be inspiration. I'm not on there selling you crap or doing whatever. Um, I always offer like a discount on things I sell, but I'm not like selling you on there. That's not what I do. It's really meant to be inspirational. I I talk about my personal life and stories and all the good things to help you, um, you know, just check in each week. So you would be on that list. You could always unsubscribe very easily. It's okay. I have it on every newsletter. You can unsubscribe super simply if you don't like it. But having said that, come over and get the cheat sheet. It's a nice thing to print out sometimes and just to look and see sort of what side you're on and to see what you could choose on the other side. It For me, that black and whiteness of it really helps me stay in a good place. Okay. Let's get to number five after my little sip of water. And this one is really one of my favorites. And and these aren't in any particular order, by the way. Um, I want to say that. But uh, anyway, okay. Lead with curiosity. The healthy relationships I see have a lot of curiosity. A lot of curiosity. I tell people all the time that it's important. What do I say? Don't sack your relationship, S-A-C. Don't sack your relationship. This means don't make suggestions, give advice, or criticize. And this isn't just your love relationship. This is all your relationships. This is when you're talking to your dad or your coworker or your best friend, okay? And the next, <laughs> what I always hear back is, what's left, Abby? What, what am I supposed to do? What's left is really one of the most important things you can do to create an open, And when I say intimate, I mean emotionally close and healthy relationship. And again, I know at work, you don't always want to be like emotionally close, but you get where I'm going here. If you want to, you want open, you want healthy, you want good communication, you got to ask the questions, but you have to be curious. I want to be really clear. You can't just ask the questions because they can come across um, as an interrogation and as kind of nasty and not good, not from the love side. They can come across from the fear side. Um, So you have to be very mindful that you are in the love-based side, which is curiosity. Curious is a very love-based emotion. That is such a wonderful 
incredible love-based emotions. So I, and I want you to just think overall of making, of asking questions instead of making statements. Don't assume you know. What do I always say? Listen like you're wrong when someone else is saying something that you don't like or you disagree with or when you, whatever. If you were wrong, you'd be asking questions so you could figure out how to get it right or understand what the other person was saying. It's so interesting to me, again, I've said this before, that in our work, in our jobs, we ask questions all the time when something's not going right. It's the first thing we do. Something went left. We're like, what happened? (laughs) Right? What happened? Oh, well, were you following the protocol? Were you not? Oh, did you try it this way? Did you, oh, you didn't? Uh, did you try this? Did you try, right? We Now those are suggestions, don't get me wrong. So be be mindful that your questions aren't suggestions. But we do ask a lot of questions. We, we try to find out, we do a root cause analysis. We try to analyze what went wrong by asking questions. And for some reason in our personal relationships, we throw that out the window. And I don't know why, it's very effective in business. It's effective with people, to, with in personal relationships too. Asking questions, key. It's key to healthy, satisfying relationships. But again, you have to truly be curious. So that means you have to get out of thinking you know the answer. Get out of thinking you're right and that you need to convince the other person to come to your way of thinking, right? First, try to understand where the other person is coming from. And that means you have to truly be curious. If they say to you, I don't ever want to have sex again. And you're like, uh, you don't, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you mean? You can't change the rules. What's happening? You know, you got to ask some questions first. It's not going to help. I get that your brain might panic a little depending on what's getting said to you. But, it, but once again, when you're mindful, download my free mindfulness starter kit. When you're mindful, th- this isn't such a problem. You can catch yourself in that. So, so let me just think. So here's how it works in real life, right? So for, so there's two situations really, right? Getting or giving feedback. So let's say first, whenever you get feedback, so if someone's telling you something, they're giving you information, whatever that is, I want you to ask clarifying questions instead of defending your position. So the first thing you do is ask instead of saying the other, telling the other person how they're wrong partner telling you that they feel neglected, you don't list all the things you've been doing, right? You don't, how could you feel neglected? I did this, this, and this. Nope, nope. You, even if you can't imagine how they feel neglected, are you kidding me? I, we just spent two hours together the other day. Um, I had a, uh, a couple, this is a while ago. I think I've even shared it on the podcast, but it's such a good example of this where, she said to him in the session, she said, you know, we don't spend any time together. Like, I, I want to spend time with you. And he, of course, immediately reeled off. All, literally, he said, well, last night we watched um, the, some show they like, right? He said, we, we watched our show together. We sat on the couch. He said, I was even, you know, right there with you. We were on the couch. He said, uh, three weeks ago, you, I asked you to come on a business trip with me so we could spend more time together. And you came with me to that trip to wherever, right? And he had some third example of all this time they've been spending together. And and I said to him, all right, that's not helping. <laughs> because even though that's all true, she doesn't feel like you spend time together. So instead, so I coached him and he did such a good job. And he said, all right, tell me more about what you're looking for when we spend time. What does that mean to you to spend time together? Because, and he said, so, because I've already listed them, but I could think of times where I think we're spending time together. What does it mean to you? What what are we doing when you think we have spent good time together? What are we not? What am what am I doing? What am I not doing? What am I saying? He did such a good job. He started like he got really into it. He got it, and he was curious. He was not like you're wrong. You're being stupid. I'm going to convince you otherwise. He was. I could see the compassion and the love in his voice because he really got it. He was sort of like, wow. Well, what is it then? What? And of course, we got down to well, you know, when we're watching TV at night, you're on your phone, even though you're next to me and you're holding my hand. You're on your phone. Um, when we're on the business trip, you know, you're on the business trip, you're distracted, which is understandable because we're on a business trip, but that's not to me, quality time. When we're on the plane, you were doing work, getting ready for the business, you know, for the presentation you were going to do, you know, that kind of thing. So she was really able to articulate what kind of time she wanted, how much she needed. Cause to him, it started to feel like this 
I mean like endless, because no matter how much time he spent with her, she kept saying it's not enough. So to him, you can imagine, right? He started to give up. He's like, no matter what I do, it's never enough for her. But it's because he was doing the wrong things. He was focused on what it meant to him. He liked when she came along the business trip, actually. He loved, he said it, coming back to the room at the end of the day and she was there and they could go out to dinner. Like he really enjoyed it. He liked sitting with her watching the show together. You know, these are things he enjoyed and he felt like it was good quality time. She did not. But when she was able to tell him what she really needed, it was literally minutes out of his day. Literally. Literally. He couldn't believe it. He's like, what I thought was a bottomless ocean is not. It's it's really just a few minutes. And he's he was later, you know, this is a few sessions later, but he said, I'm surprised at how much I like it and how much more connected I feel actually than the things I thought I was connecting on. So that, see the difference? That's the difference. You don't, no matter what, I don't want you to rebut with a list of all the things you do, right? Can you, can you, if it happens at work, you can, same thing. Can you tell me more about what's happening right now to make you say that? Um, are there any examples you can give me of how that doesn't feel right? Um, you know, can you tell me more about the, the, what I did on that project that, that, felt like it wasn't a a hit, you know, for you. You know what I mean? Ask questions. If your sister complains that you're never there for her, ask questions. Can you tell me more about what you're looking for from me? If I was 100% supportive, what would that look like to you? What would you need? What would I be saying? What would I be doing? How would you know that I really support and love you? Because I do, but clearly it's not coming across, right? Now, it doesn't mean you have to do all the things. I want to be clear. But you have to find out first. You have to be curious and see what it means to the other person. And I will tell you what I have found over and over is that the other person has a definition of something that you don't have. And because of that, that's where the disconnect is. Like in this case with this couple, his definition of spending time together was different than hers. Do you see what I'm saying? So it, and I, oh gosh, I see it. Like couples will say, we never have, we don't have enough sex. And, you know, invariably the woman will be like, we had sex. And I'll say to the guy, well, how, how many times a week do you want to have sex? He goes, well, every other day would be good, you know? And she'll say something like, well, we had sex three times last week. <laughs> Monday, Thursday, and Sunday or whatever, right? And to him, they weren't, you know, so when you start asking questions, like, well, tell me more about that. I remember us having sex three times. So what does every other day really mean? Like, what are you really looking for? It's not every other day because we kind of had sex every other day. What are you really looking for? Um, Is it more connection? Is it hotter sex? Is it, I don't know, having sex in a different place? Is it more, what? What is it that you want? Be curious. So don't just go, well, we had sex three times last week. So I don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. You know, uh, I don't know what you want from me. You know, it, it, don't be mad. Be curious. Don't be mad. Be curious. Don't be resentful. Be curious. And when you're truly curious, you think, I love this other person and something isn't working right. I have, the, or I'm at work. I have this job. I got to figure out how to work better with this coworker. I've got to figure that out. Or I have a boss that feels very demanding. How do I connect with her so that I feel um that we have a better relationship. What do I got to do? How do I, you know, that's what you do. And by the way, if you shared your true feelings, like winning in, going, what I already shared, going into your boss and saying, can you tell me how you feel about me? <laughs> and saying the truth, right? I, I, I often feel, not always, get rid of always and never language. I often feel like I'm doing a bad job here. Like you're expecting something I'm not giving or, or like you're disappointed in me a lot. And I need to know if that's real. I'm checking that out with you. And if it is, I want to know more about what you're looking for. What would I be saying as a great employee? What would I be doing if I was doing the project the way you wanted? You know, that kind of thing. What that, I'm telling you, you will see changes. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> Or you could give all your money back to the podcast. Ha ha. All right. Now, the second thing that can happen is when you have an issue with someone else, right? So again, if you have an issue with someone else, ask questions instead of telling them what the problem is. Okay. So sex life not feeling good? Ask your partner, what would you like to see more of in our sex life? Just start a conversation about your sex life. Try to figure, be curious. 
figure out, well, I don't like it. It doesn't feel exciting. I don't feel like we're having sex enough. I would like to do this or that. So start though with seeing where they're at. Do they like your sex life as it is? Do they not? You might be surprised by the way. They might not like your sex life. What would you like to see less of? If we had a great sex life, what would be in it? Um, you know, ask questions and you can always say to the person, do you want to know what I think about that? Would you, would, do you want to ask me what I'd like to see more of? Do you know, like you can have a conversation, but start with them, start with them. Um, let's say someone made a nasty comment to you, which you, you consider nasty. Let's say it's a coworker, nasty comment, maybe something undermining or passive aggressive or something like that. That could be your mom. That could be anybody, right? It's really great to stop and just, you know, instead of, again, getting defensive or shutting down or lashing out or whatever you might do, think, be curious. Why are they saying that to me? Damn, like that hurt. Like what is going on? So you can start with that. What do you, what, right this minute, what are you feeling right now? Right now, what are you feeling? Or what are you feeling towards me? You could ask, um, I, I need to ask you a question. What, what was your goal? You, you just said X. What was your goal in saying that to me? Were you hoping, what were you hoping I'd feel or do when you said X? Do you see where this is going here? You, first of all, it's calling someone on their behavior that they probably don't realize they're doing. Most people who are passive aggressive have no clue they're doing it, zero. Or they have a clue, but they don't know how to stop it. And what you're doing is interrupting the behavior. Boundaries, you're having some boundaries, but really, but you don't do it in a nasty way. You don't do it in a fuck you, what's wrong with you way. You do it in a curious, that's why I said you have to be curious. That's why this is called this. It's not just about asking questions. It's about asking them in a curi from a curious heart. It's about getting your feelings into a curious place first and trying to figure it out. And I'm gonna say this too as a last little piece here. Don't give up on this. This is new. So you might initially, my guess is you'll get a lot of pushback. Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling or I just said it or it was just a joke. I don't know why you're so sensitive or, or shoulder shrugs or whatever bullshit they're giving you, right? You have to press on with a loving intention and what, and you have to keep asking and you will get, I'm telling you right now, some real answers and a real dialogue. If you don't give up, ask the question a little differently. I've, I've asked my kids before when they give me the shoulder shrug, if I, okay, I'm going to give you 20 bucks right now. If you can come up with, you know, two things of whatever we're talking about, that gets their attention. I, and I probably won't give them 20 bucks or maybe I will. I don't know, but I'm teaching them because then the next time I can say, Okay. So last week I asked you and you said, I don't know. And then I offered you 20 bucks and suddenly you had some ideas. So I want some ideas for free right now, right? You could do it that way. <laughs> uh, if someone had a gun to your head and you had to come up with one thing I could do to move this forward, or one thing I could say to help the situation, what would it be? A gun to your head is not such a nice thing, but maybe something else, but you get the idea. If I was going to give you a million bucks right now, you know, people come up with something. They do. They come up with something. And that's what you're looking for. That's how you start the conversation. That's how you build a healthy relationship. <sighs> and that's it. Those are my five signs that you are in a healthy relationship. And obviously you can mix and match those. You can, you know, focus. I would tell you for sure to try to focus on one thing for a while. Um, maybe even for the next five weeks, focus on one a week. Uh, focus on one a day if you'd rather do it that way. You know, one day, Monday at the office, do one thing, Tuesday, do another, you know, and see how it shows up as you have that intention and that focus. As you are programming, by the way, your RAS towards that thing, as you are helping that uh, confirmation bias confirm good things instead of bad, you're gonna start to see some differences. Okay, remember to come over if you want and get the vibrational cheat sheet if you haven't already gotten that from me on a previous episode. I think it can really help you with getting in touch with your feelings, seeing where you are, getting into the love-based side. Um, it's a wonderful little kind of cheat sheet to have hanging at your office or uh, make it the wallpaper on your computer, whatever is going to help you stay focused. Because why? Because I love you. I really love you. I know that these things work. I've seen it work for years. It's worked in my own life. It works for my clients and it's gonna work for you. Have an open mind. Really 
if, if some of these feel really tough for you, choose one that feels less tough and start there because I personally have such faith in you. I really do, really do. I do. I wouldn't be here every week. If I didn't have faith in you, I would have given up a long time ago. I have faith. I know you send me emails. I get DM'd all kinds of things saying that this is helping because you're starting to shift your mindset. And so that is really what I want to have happen today. All right. Have an amazing week. Know that I love and care about you and I'm thinking about you. I'm sending such good energy and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.